Thanks for joining me today. My name is James Briscoe. I'm an ordained Baptist minister for the past 27 years. And God recently called me about the last five years to be an end time prophet in these latter days. Prophets came to warn the religious establishment that they weren't doing their jobs by calling out sin and calling out the sinner. And they need to get on their job because God's gonna move against them there with a heavy hand of judgment. So I'm here to call you out to let you know you need to get on your job, you religious people, pastors and ministers and all that stuff. Purpose is to call out the remnant and slash the elect and tell them that time is running out and they need to stop playing around and need to get serious about what's going on in today and look at the events of the day so you can see that we're moving closer to the rapture. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for all that you've done. I thank you for all that you're doing. I ask you to continue to watch after me and strengthen me and guide me. Help me in this podcast. Help me so that I can say and do the things that need to be said and done. And I'll give you all the praise and honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Our subject today is the sin of copycat syndrome. The sin of the copycat syndrome, part two. Part two. I'm going to review our last podcast called The Sin of the Copycat Syndrome, part one. It was formatted a little bit different from my last ones. We started with the Old Testament scripture from the book of the minor prophet Hosea, and we read the fourth chapters, verses 6, 9 through 9, 11, and 12 verses. Hosea was giving the 10 northern tribes a strong tongue lashing regarding their refusal to keep God's statutes and laws, and he was warning them that God was going to move against them. And God did move against them, and he allowed the Assyrian, the Assyrian Empire to take them into captivity, the 10 northern tribes. The religious leaders, the priests, were guilty as the people. God gave Hosea a cliche to share with the priests, mainly. And, they were, and the cliche was, like priests, like people. We'll use that later. Like priests, like people. I also shared with you a cliche concerning this particular scripture that J. Vernon McGee used when we were studying Hosea. And this is the one he used for Hosea. He said, either the word of God will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from the word of God. He used that for that fourth chapter. Either the word of God will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from the word of God. Just a little more review of part one, and then we'll move on into part two of this new broadcast. As I told you, the problem in part one, the problem with adopting faddish behaviors, copycat behaviors, is often, they often violate God's commandments and his laws and his statutes. These copycat behaviors violate God's first commandment, God's second commandment, and God's tenth commandment. And they are the violations that cause people to end up in hell. When you are in these fattest behaviors, they become your little God and your idol you choose to worship. See, when you covet 
what others are doing. That's that 10th commandment. You are choosing worldly pursuits that breaks your fellowship with God. In the end, it leads you straight to hell. I keep repeating that. Before we leave part one, the review of part one, let's get a working de definition of what the fetish behaviors of copycatting is. A copycatter is a wannabe who mimics the behaviors of a particular group of people that he wants to be part of. Often these are secular Christians. They are weak Christians who choose to practice worldly behaviors and make to make themselves acceptable to the ungodly friends that they have. These secular or weak Christians know very little about God's word, and they often form for themselves the opinions of how they should behave and how they should live. So, the problem of the fattest behaviors, and I'm kind of recapping what I just said. They violate God's commandments. Copycats are wannabes, many behaviors of people that they want to hang out with and be part of. And these often are secular weak Christians. Christians. These wannabes are the ones who decide what they want to be and that's what they choose. Let's move on. The sin of copycat syndrome is this. The New Testament tells us of the events that will occur during the latter days. That's the end times. Paul states in the book of Romans, first chapter, that even the ungodly knew God but they refused to acknowledge him. They claimed to be wise and became fools and chose to believe Satan's lies instead. As he's talking, I'm still reading from, from that first chapter of Romans. These ungodly people became wicked and full of greed, hate, envy, murder, fighting, lying, bitterness, and gossip. They used their sinful, faddish behaviors that they were copycatting to gain acceptance with those they mimic and copycat, those people that they wanted to hang out and be part of that group with. Satan uses these ungodly people to draw weak, secular Christians into his clutches. See, Satan has demons himself, but he has a lot of people who are demonic people that you think are okay, but they're very demonic and they follow Satan's guidelines and Satan's guides. So he, he uses them to get Pete, these weak Christians into his clutches. He is able to control and manipulate them by hooking them into, he's, I'm talking about these weak, weak Christians. He hooks them in to addictive behaviors such as Get some started because these are the people they hang out with, people who drank alcoholism, drugs, the people who do drugs, materialism, people who want to buy big houses, cars, and all that stuff, and gambling. And gambling is a three, was a $500 billion 
addiction that a large number of black people have. Sexual perversions, such as pornography, homosexual lifestyles, and many other addictive behaviors. So he hooks them into them. Once you, an addiction is a habit. An addiction is part that plays in your brain. And it's hard to break because it seeks the pleasure part of your brain. Satan is an expert in increasing these faddish behaviors because he understands the weak Christian and how, and he knows how to find the area in which they are most sinful in, and this areas that the sin resides in their lives. These faddish behaviors, these faddish behaviors are evil inventions of Satan. So he can misdirect the ungodly and the secular Christians from seeking God's grace and mercy that provides them with salvation and eternal life. These are the evil, wicked desires of Satan to use faddish behaviors to draw them away from God. These behaviors tarnish these Christians, these weak Christians, they tarnish whatever kind of image they have of Christ in them. And they can grant them involvement in the club of those who hate God. You understand? Those who hate God. So Satan can use these ungodly people to draw weak secular Christians into Satan's, to his clutches. So he can misdirect these secular Christians from seeking God's grace. I'm kind of re-emphasizing again. Salvation and eternity is what he draws them away from and they lose. Those who hate God, and that's what he draws them involvement into people who hate God, are people like George Soros. Many of you people do not watch and do not know what's going on today. George Soros is a big, big donor to these uh, elected lawyers who are the uh, state attorney uh, law, uh, the state attorney lawyers are the city attorney lawyers. And he gets those people elected and then they don't keep the laws and they allow criminals and everybody else out on the street. So George Soros is part of what they call the debt, called the haters of God. They are a sect of Jews who hate God because of the fulfillment of Deuteronomy, the 28th chapter. They asked when uh, they came back from the Babylonian captivity, they, the Jews asked, asked the prophet Zechariah, they said, we've been fasting, we've been praying, we've been doing all kinds of things to ask God to not allow the 28th chapter of Deuteronomy to occur. See, they realized that when they were in captivity in Babylon, they were just in captivity. But the 28th chapter of Deuteronomy speaks of them being scattered and the nation being destroyed and the temple being destroyed. That happened by the Babylonians, but they were still taken into captivity. And they recognized while they were there that 70 years, many of them recognized this is not this is not the fulfillment of that 28th chapter of Deuteronomy. It really comes from Exodus, but Deuteronomy, it's when Moses repeated it again. So they asked Zachariah, they said, can 
you ask God to not fulfill that prophecy because you, we know that if he, when he destroys all that, we'll be cast out of this and we'll lose this country and we'll be cast out there into the world and we'll be mistreated all the time. They realized, and then when it happened, the Romans came because they rejected Jesus. See, that was the last thing that God would not accept. They could be disobedient and everything, but when they rejected Jesus, 40 years after Jesus gave the repeated the prophecy of, the, of Deuteronomy the 28th, 40 years later, the Roman, the mighty Roman army, they were five times more powerful than the Babylonian army. They came and put a siege on the city for two years, 68 to 70 AD, and then they destroyed the city, the temple. They killed over a million Jews, and then they chased and destroyed the whole nation and chased the people out of the nation, and they had to go to the other nation. And then for 1,900 years, that prophecy continued to be fulfilled, 28th chapter of of Deuteronomy continued. It said they would wander from one nation to another. Every day they would wake up and wonder what was going to happen. They got chased out of countries. They got chased. They were beat. They were slaughtered. And then Hitler at the end, he tried to massacre all of them. So that prophecy, God told Zechariah, I'm not changing it. And the issue was they rejected Jesus Christ, his son. So that was why the prophecy was fulfilled. And they are the God-haters. They exist today. The Communist Party is made up of Jews, and they started it. Karl Marx was a Jew, and the revisionists lie all the time and said he was, but he was. And he admit that he was not a Christian. So atheism as a result of the God-haters. The communism system is a system of government that's an atheistic a, a system of government that hates God and does not claim that he exists. So if you say that I'm anti-Semitist, I am because I know the history and what has gone on and the fact that there are so many of those George Soros's even today who hate God and they are out to destroy this nation. This nation started out as a Christian nation, but now it's gone to the dogs but they're still out to destroy this nation because they are out to destroy anything that has to do with Christianity and God. So let's move on. Remember, sin is anything that takes you away from God. He is righteous, holy, and cannot allow sin to enter into his presence at any time. To quote a verse from the book of Proverbs, and I said it in our last one, part one, here it is. There is a way that seemeth right unto men that leads to hell and destruction. You hear that? There is a way that seemeth right unto men that leads to hell and destruction. You understand that? That's the proverb. And now we're going to, I'm going to show you how it, it fits today. Satan today is using a political party to foster what I quoted from the book of Proverbs. The membership of the demonic Democratic Party, or the deaf culture political party, as I like to call them, is made up of wannabes, young, old, poor, and rich, all who seek to control the destiny of this country, and they're part of the ones who hate God. They, the communists, the Democratic Party is almost like a communist party. They will bring this country down 
the path of destruction. That's what they're after, to destroy this country. Because politics is a way that seemeth right. You see that? Politics is a way that seemeth right to the ungodly who seek to destroy this country. I'm going to paraphrase another piece of scripture that deals with these this types of these people and behaviors. It's called, it comes from the Old Testament also. Daniel, the fourth chapter, the 17th verse. And it goes like this, and I'm paraphrasing. God is sovereign, that means he's in control, over all nations. He sets over them the debased men whose wickedness reflects the people they serve. Now, I'm going to explain that. God is in control of all these nations. He sets over them that word debased means the worst time kind of people, the worst kind of men whose wickedness reflects the people they serve. See, these wicked, awful type of people, they're only serving the wicked, awful type of people who are out there in the general public. That's all they're doing. They're just serving their own. So when you see this and you hear this, the deaf culture, Democratic Party, you hear them promoting abortion and homosexuality, transgender identity, evolution, and no God and all that stuff. Now, Chicago, San Francisco, D.C., and L.A., and many of the Democratic cities, such as even St. Louis, are run by these type of debased type of people. The attorney generals of some cities are the attorney general of a city or, of, or even a state. Many of these are the people that George Soros has put in position. Now, these people, such as the people in Chicago, they have, and the other ones, they have mayors that are just as awful and terrible and the worst type of person. You wouldn't want to claim in and you wouldn't want your children to model or, or be anything after these kind of people. The mayor of Chicago is a lesbian. And as a lesbian, she's always running around trying to act like she's a man and trying to say, I got to go home and take care of my wife and my children and everything. The problem is that she ran for office in the Democratic Party and she won, but she meet, but she beat a woman who was a community organizer, a decent lady, a Christian lady, but she also was in the Democratic Party. But the head, the bosses of the Democratic Party, they didn't want that city organizer. They didn't want somebody that knew how to, to uh, take care and deal with problems, just like a businessman would do deal with business problems. They didn't want that community organizer in there. They wanted that no good lesbian mayor in who can't do anything. Lawyers always think they can do everything. Most of them have very poor, poor management skills, business management skills. So she's in the position of being over the city of uh, Chicago. Guess what? South side of Chicago is one of the worst places you could be. And she reflects that because she's just that awful and terrible. The awful, terrible people on the South Side, majority of them are awful and terrible. But still, there's a remnant of people that live there who are good, decent people. The only problem is when you live and you're a remnant and there's awful, awful indecent people, 
you have to suffer as a result of the things that they do. And you have to suffer that as a result of the judgments that God passes against them. You end up suffering too. Sometimes God gives you a little escape, but the but that real that remnant of good people in the struggle, they're suffering, they're in pain. They're they can't go out half the time. They don't know what's going to happen because there's such awful, evil, wicked, sinful people living on that south side, and the mayor is just as bad. So let's move on. I want to examine in retrospect, that means I'm going to go back in history, where copycatting began. I'm going to, we're going to talk about it. where did it begin? It started back in creation, when God first creation created this earth. But it started up in the heaven. It was not down in the Garden of Eden with, with Adam and Eve. It was up in the heaven. There was a war up in the heaven. And it started around creation, a little after creation. The war went on, and Satan, being of the highest level, he's the highest level hierarchy of angels. He, God made him really special. But he left in him that pride, and Satan decided he wanted to usurp God. He wanted to take God's control. So Satan was the first wannabe because he wanted to take what God had. He sought to mimic Jehovah God and take his power and his grace and glory and steal his creation from him. After the war was over and Satan was kicked back down to earth and then he started dealing with Adam and Eve, after failing, Satan, for the past 6,000 years, has continued using different forms of trickery to steal God's greatest creation. Guess what it is? Mankind. He knows to keep people busy with faddish behaviors, he can disturb God's grand plan of salvation and lead the people to the lake of fire with him. Remember, he read the book of uh, Revelation. He knows he loses at the end, and he knows that he wants to take as many of you foolish, crazy Christians with him. Paul wrote in 1 Timothy, the fourth chapter, the first verse, he said, now the spirit, he's talking, he's writing. Now the spirit expresses, says that in the latter days, many will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience destroyed, and believing fables that lead them to ungodliness, lies, and finally hell. You understand? So Paul realized that many people in the church, gonna, there's going to be an apostasy, and it started way back in, in our early Christian history. And he realized there would be apostasy. And the apostate church would get into believing fables. And one of the fables they would eventually get into is evolution. And they do it today. There is no God. There is no creator. It all started from a big bang. Sexual ID. That's what the apostate church has got into. This homosexual thing. Transgenders. There are over 120 transgenders when God only made two. A male and a female. That's all he made. So 
they would get into the fables. The fable of abortion. That's to the God of Molech. That's the Old Testament. And they want prosperity. These black women want prosperity and what goes along with this. And then they would get into preaching. These preachers would preach the social gospel. These are also a fable. And the social gospel consists of wealth, prosperity, and health. And name it, claim it. So these are the kind of fables that the church and people would move into as they moved and allowed, and allowed these demonic people to influence them and get in their churches. Many of these demons are in their churches too. Well, my summary is this. To love the world is to hate God. You cannot serve two masters without making one greater than the other. And you know that. Jesus said that. If you choose to stick with copycatting, you still want to be a copycatter, you will end up in the lake of fire with all of those who chose to mimic Satan's misdirection from God's plan of salvation for all of mankind. Before I move toward closure, I have a postscript to share with you concerning my father. In the first postscript, first part of this month, I gave, I've talked about my, my father. And the last part of this month, I'm going to talk about my father. I'm going to move on into that postscript. It concerns my father, who I mentioned in part one podcast. The last time I spoke with my father was on the way to the doctor's office in Kansas City. As we drove to the city, we were, were talking about a number of concerns but mainly his failing health. My father's health was deteriorating as a result of years of alcoholism and the destruction of his liver. There was a long pause in our conversation. I looked over at my father and it was like he was attempting to try to say something to me that was of really of importance. He called me by name, he said, Jimmy, if I could live my life over again, I would be like you. I did not know, but he knew the death angel was hovering low. He was coming after my father. Tears start flowing from my eyes. I patted him on the hand. I said, thanks, father. Thank you, dad. Over the years after my father's death, I thought my father was giving me a personal compliment for my professional and educational success. However, the Holy Spirit recently told me it was not about me, but about Christ in my life. The one I copycatted and lived to be more like since I was 10 years old. In the New Testament, 1 John, the third, chapter, the third chapter and the second verse, it reads, and this is what my father saw in me. Beloved, we are the sons of God, and we don't know what we shall be like, but we know that when Jesus appears, we will look like him, for we shall see Jesus as he is. You know, Ezekiel saw him as he was in that first chapter, 20, the 25th verse and 26. He saw him in his glorified body. He saw him in his glorified body. One of these days, we will see him as he is, and we will be in our glorified body. 
So we do not know, but when Jesus appears, we will look like him and we will be in our glorified body. I chose long ago to copycat Jesus Christ. My father in his last days saw just what I had been copycatting. You understand? Moreover, I praise God for that, that my father can see Christ in me and that others also have seen Christ in me. I praise God and I thank him for all of that. One of my favorite songs is, Yes, Christ is real. Yes, Christ is real. I don't possess houses or land, fine clothes or jewelry, sorrows and cares in this life. My life seems to be. But I have a Christ real in my life that makes me happy. Yes, Christ is real, real and real, this world to me. Yes, Christ is real, and he's been real to me. Thank you. I thank you for your for you joining me today. Join me in my next podcast, and we'll be talking about other things of significance that concerns Jesus Christ. Maranatha, Maranatha, Maranatha. Maranatha is a greeting that the early Christians used, the first century Christians. Just like you say hello or something like that, they say Maranatha. Maranatha simply means in Greek, Christ Jesus is coming soon. And that's what they did. It's kind of like a proverb or it's kind of like a prophecy. Christ Jesus is coming soon and I know it and you know it. And he's going to call the church up in the rapture and we will be like him in our glorified bodies. Thank you for joining me. Talk to you soon. Maranatha.